I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're sharing what we learned when we went from blogging nearly every day to not doing it at all for an entire year. You know, what we wish we'd done differently and what we figured out from stepping back. Well, hello, Sherry. Hello, John. You know what we've got today? I feel like something different is in the air. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play some music. It's a very special episode of Young House Love Has a Podcast. Podcast, podcast, podcast. I feel like I want like a dramatic crow squawking. (laughs) You're making it sound a lot more sinister than it is. So this episode, as promised in episode 12, is an airing of the talk we gave at the Haven Conference in Atlanta back in early August. This is the like home decor and DIYers blogging conference that we went to that we, we spoke about more in episode 12. So if you're like, what the heck is Haven? Go listen to 12. And it's a talk that we gave entitled, What We Learned From Quitting Our Blog So You Don't Have to Quit Yours. Yeah, because for seven years, we blogged every day. We weren't pushing publish on a post every single day, but certainly behind the scenes, even on weekends and nights and on vacations, we were working on posts, editing photos. And when we stopped doing that, it was a big change. And over the last two years, we learned a lot. So that's what you'll hear in this episode. We've heard from other people that the topics we covered seem to be applicable to lots of things in life. So hopefully it's helpful, even if you're not a blogger. But I did want to just disclaim a couple things up front. So there was a soiree the night before. Yeah. We all soireed very hard. And by that, I mean the DJ had the music on very loud. And we were screaming, all of us, to talk. Like, the picture an entire room of people scream talking over loud music. This sounds like a preface to you're really hungover, but it's really just that our voices are shot. They're gone. Especially Sherry's. This is like the worst version of my voice I've ever heard. So airing a long chat. It's fine. I'm a little self-conscious about the voice. I'm putting my vanity to the side. The last thing that I'll disclaim before we play the tape is that there were some presentation slides that we used, but they were largely just the text of what we were saying. So you're really not missing much by just hearing what we say. Uh, I will put up a couple slides on the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast because there was like maybe one photo and a and a chart. John loves a chart, but I think if you listen to this, you can pretty much put it all together. You'll follow along just fine, I promise. So here it goes. Hello, hello. Can, can we be heard? Yes. Great. So, we were partying so hard yesterday, we lost our voices. Yeah, those, yeah. I'm kind of soireed out, I think. <laughs> yeah. The most I've soireed in a while. Um, well, hi, everyone. Hi. Guys. I, it's great to be back in front of so many familiar faces, so many new faces. But for those who don't know us, we uh, write the website younghouselove.com. And for almost seven years, we blogged pretty much every single day, with taking just weekends off and maybe the day before or after Christmas. And so it was quite the intense journey. But uh, today we're going to talk to you about sort of what we learned when we we stopped that journey. So we're going to talk about what we learned from quitting our blog so you don't have to quit yours. (laughs) It's cool being back here five years later because... We were the very first speakers at the first Haven back in 2012, which was a, a different time. So some things haven't changed. I'm still wearing a blazer. John now has a beard, though, so some things have changed. My life is wildly different. <laughs> and a lot has changed. You know, when we came here for the first Haven, we had one book that wasn't even quite out yet. We shared a sneak peek in our talk, and it was just some photographs. It wasn't even printed yet. And now that book has come out. That was called Young House Love, and our second book came out last fall called Lovable Love Home. 
And um, we have a coloring book, which I know is really random, coming out this fall. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but there have been some pretty amazing opportunities in those years, including Designing for Liberty Hardware, who is here. And, um, you know, when we started working with Liberty, we didn't exactly think it would be on an end cap of Target with the words Young House Love on it. And that is the power of doing something for the fun of it and seeing where it goes, which is sort of the theme of the whole blog. So we design products that have been now with Home Depot, and we have a lighting line with a place called Shades of Light. So it's been a really fun journey. But uh, in the fall of 2014, we uh, somewhat abruptly <laughs> told everyone we were stopping. We weren't at the time exactly sure why we were doing that. We just knew that things felt off. And we thought initially it had been because of all these sort of extracurricular, all these side projects that were distracting us from sort of our, our core joys of blogging and renovating our home. But even after some of those started to wrap up, things were just still off kilter. And we tried to make some kind of micro adjustments, but it just wasn't working. And so we knew we had to do something dramatic. So uh, in September of 2014, we said, we're going to take a month off. So we took 30 days, no blog posts, no social media, no nothing, which is very different from what we had been doing. And at the end of those 30 days, we came back and said, um, we're not coming back. It was like, bye again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We liked how life was starting to rebalance itself, and we were feeling uh, sort of creatively re-energized by pursuing things that were not related to the blog, some outside jobs. And we said, you know what, we want to push life in this direction for a little while and see where it takes us. So um, now it's, it's been almost two years, and we've learned a lot from that, including, so why did we quit? <laughs> I told you a second ago, we didn't know why we were doing it at the time, but now having all that perspective, you know, the hindsight of that, um, we have some lessons that we wanted to share with you guys. And I think one thing we forgot to mention, but it was sort of shocking to us as well. I know everyone felt like sort of crazed by what happened behind the scenes. Like, what was the story we weren't telling? Were our kids sick? Were we getting a divorce? The New York Times wrote about us stopping the blog. If that doesn't demonstrate how crazy it is. It was a, a whirlwind, and we were in the middle of it, like, what is really happening? Why are we... Why like, do people care? <laughs> yeah, why do they care? And I'm always like, didn't anyone else ever have a job for seven years and then do a different job? And even if they loved the job, but it just wasn't right for them anymore, it felt like sort of normal to us. I mean, it was scary, but it didn't seem newsworthy, I guess. <laughs> but it was. But we learned a lot. Define your purpose. Never stop experimenting. Be selfish. Be more than your blog and don't be afraid to pause. So we're gonna dig deeper into those, and those, again, were not things that were very clear at first when we walked away. We just knew in that month off it felt better and not worse, and going every day and sharing, we were certain in a week we'd be back. And it just, it was like a surprise to us that you could do something for seven years and have that muscle memory and that instinct, and then it just was gone, and we didn't know why. So that first lesson that we learned, that idea of define your purpose, this is a great starting place because I think it's where we all should start from our blogging. I'm going to show you something that sort of expresses it another way, um, an image from Waiting on Martha. Remember why you started? That's sort of how we think about a purpose. I use it differently than the word goal. We at least think of it as kind of a business goal, you know, how you want to grow or monetize your site. I'm sure after this weekend you have a lot of new goals in mind that you'd like to hit, and those, those are all great to have. But I think a purpose is sort of like the why do you do it, how does it feed you, What's the, what does it give back to you. Just for example, goals might be get more followers, post more frequently, grow your Pinterest traffic, get featured in a magazine, you know, make more money. <laughs> All good goals to have. They're, you know, they're nice because they're concrete things that you can measure and you can have milestones along the way to say whether I'm achieving them or whether I need to work harder towards them. 
But the hard thing, and I think the hard thing for us, was not letting those distract us from a purpose. Uh, we had that very clear when we started, but we think lost sight of it. So like a purpose might be just to be creative, to have a creative outlet, to learn new things, to meet new people, um, just to share your story if you feel like you've got an important story to tell, or just to have fun, you know? I think that's actually probably the closest to what our purpose was. If I had to go back and, and write it now, I think this is what we would write, is that we are doing this to have fun and to see where the ride takes us. It's not earth-shattering. It's, it's not even very noble. <laughs> But I mean, blogging is supposed to be fun. So like, what's, what's wrong with saying that the reason I'm committed to this is because I want to have fun. And so um, this is the lesson that we've taken from this. It's easy to get bogged down in numbers and likes and pleasing outward sources and feeling affirmed by other people. It's hard to remember that you need to feel affirmed for what you're doing in your own mind and your own heart and to feel creatively inspired is the only way to be sustainable in blogging. If you are not feeling inspired and excited about what you're doing, it will show. Your audience will not like it. It is not the way to win. So I think it's easy to get lost. And I, we didn't know. We didn't even think about the difference between goals and a purpose. We didn't. All we knew is we felt off track. We weren't where we wanted to be. We had no. I mean. Our instinct was directly opposite of what really was the problem. We thought we needed to stop writing books and stop doing side projects and focus on the blog. And when we focused on the blog after a lot of those things stopped, it wasn't at all the same feeling we had in the beginning. And it was because we had lost our purpose. So speaking of weird things, creatively stretching you. We have this coloring book coming out this fall, October 4th, and it is random, and we would have said no to it. We know if someone asked us three years ago, we would have said, no way, this doesn't fit into my like blogging every day and building the blog and yeah, everything. This doesn't fit one of my goals. Yeah, it's a random offshoot little fun project. It's like this strange little thing. But you know what? Now the question was just, is it fun? Do we want to see what it's like? And we said yes. And it has been one of the biggest things that stretched us in a long time. Putting it together was so different than putting together a written book. We had an illustrator we hired. We made like mood boards for her and we cut out pictures of chairs and we taped them on the background we wanted her to draw things with. And we said like, it's more fun to color the cabinets if they're glass and you can see what's in them. It was thinking about things in two dimensions without color, which is so different than thinking about the way we photograph things for the blog. And it was awesome, and she's amazing. Her name's Joan Borowski. She does renderings for, like, House Beautiful and Traditional Home. And it's interesting to look now and say, we would have said no to this amazing creative experience that makes us feel so fueled. And it even brings other things we've been doing, like working in advertising or doing the podcast. It brings new life to everything you're doing. And I think it's a good thing to remember that if... Everything you're doing is the same old, same old. Think about what you can inject that sort of fuels everything around it. That coloring book for us is a good example of us following our purpose more clearly now. And so I just would say to all of you guys that if you haven't already, take a moment to define yours. I mean, even write it down if you have to, something so that you can keep it in your sights as you work day to day, as you make big decisions about where you take your, your website and your blog. You know, keep it as we sort of say as like your North Star because that will help you keep from getting off track. So if the answer is like, yes, it's fun and creatively fulfilling, but I don't have enough time because I have all these other things I have to do, I think in stepping back, we've learned you put what you want on your cafeteria tray and you can take it off and you have to make room for the things you want to do. Second thing, never stop experimenting. We just talked a little bit about that, about trying something new and it creatively stretches you. I think a lot of the reason we stopped experimenting was we got stuck in a routine. 
we, we sort of figured out what worked and what our audience liked and we just kept trying to do the same thing and bring them the same content in different rooms, but sort of in the same way. If you get busy, I think you fall back on your routines. That's the easy thing to do. Your sort of muscle memory kicks in. And so I think we were doing a lot of, a lot of that and not going back to some of what we did in the early days of blogging, which we always think of sort of our, our most fun times yeah. because it was so undefined. I mean, it blogging. wasn't an industry. No one was making money. It was 2007. We didn't know how to take a picture. We didn't know how to code the site. So we were learning all these new things. It's like throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. We wrote short posts. We wrote long posts. We wrote posts with lots of pictures. We wrote posts with no pictures. We wrote a post entirely in song. We wrote a post. In, it was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> I think it was about framing things. And we um, even did one in dialogue where it was just John saying something. It was a conversation we had at 6 in the morning at Lowe's. It was fun and it was allowed to be fun and it wasn't, we didn't feel the pressure of supporting our family by doing what we thought we needed to do to make sure we could feed them and stay relevant and all the like big scary pressury things that happen when your creative outlet becomes your full-time job. And I also think failure felt scarier for that reason. We were scared to fall on our face and then just not. Everybody leaves and the website's dead and like, what do we do? We yeah. like put all of our eggs in this basket, you know? And as you have more eyeballs on you too, the idea of experimenting with something that might not work and might backfire, who knows? Like that's, that's a scary thing to do. And obviously, you know, if it ain't broke, <laughs> but I think even if it isn't broke, there's still reasons why we should commit ourselves to uh, being experimental and holding on to that feeling of trying something new. Because especially as creative people, I think experimenting is really, really, really important. I mean, it's, it's at the core of feeling creative. I mean, creative is, is about trying something new, something you haven't done, that's something um, you haven't seen other people do. That's what I think fuels a lot of us. And so if we fall back into routines and don't push ourselves, then we're losing a part of that creative spirit. Uh, experimentation also keeps you on your toes. If you tell yourself, I'm gonna try something new once a week, once a month or whatever, it, it forces you to surprise yourself and push yourself outside of your box. Uh, it also keeps your readers on their toes. You know, I know we all have probably that audience that likes to say, no, this is what I like from you. Like, Don't keep doing this. Anything, right? Like, you have, you'll always have people who want you to change nothing. Don't even change the font. Don't change <laughs> the layout. Like, everything the same. And then we always have readers who want more and think it's getting stale and want more pictures and want you more on social and want video. And the internet will never agree on how they want you or what they want from you, and they'll never stop. They'll never be like, that's enough. You've done enough today. Like there's always the, the hamster wheel. So it's good to keep them on their toes. Yes, you will upset some people, but if it keeps... You'll have things that won't work. Right, and you might fail and flop in front of everyone, but I think if it creatively keeps it sustainable, that's a lot better than the New York Times writing about you leaving. <laughs> um, we also said experimentation leads to new discoveries. I mean, there's a reason why they're called science experiments. You know, you're not going to figure out a new maybe media to work with if you ha don't take the time to try it. You might not figure out a new way to write a post or a new person to collaborate with if you don't say, I'm just going to give this a go. And the last thing is we think that experimentation is really important for teaching you to move on to the next thing. If you have a bad idea, you, if you're experimenting, you can move past it to the next good idea more easily. And it, it's really relevant to... In advertising, when I graduated, my whole job was concepting ads. So I wrote TV commercials and I did scripts. We met selling baby shampoo. Yes. And so it was really about learning to present something that they say no to and then getting over it. Because I can't tell you how many times 
I presented an idea that I thought was the best idea, and it was not the best idea. And I got over it, and I kept going, and I did idea number two, three, four, and by the time we executed idea number five, it came out better than idea number one would have come out. So there is such a value, especially in blogging, if you're stuck in your ways, to moving past it and getting over it and trying something so different that you might fail, but you might just come up with the best idea you ever had, and isn't that worth the gamble? So our lesson out of this, and this is the emoji portion of the presentation. <laughs> there's a dancing lady, and there's a party horn, because when you see bloggers experimenting, it should make you feel like that. As a group, we have to encourage each other to keep doing new things, or as a group, we will all stagnate. And I think it's really important if we see people doing something cool that's different to reach out to them and say, that was awesome. Like reinforce something cool so it keeps happening and reinforce that change is good so they can keep evolving because if there's one thing about the industry of blogging, it is that it changes constantly. I think for us, the, the podcast we recently launched is an example of how we've embraced this idea of experimentation because I'll be honest, this was an idea that has been incubating in my brain for like two years, but I've been too afraid and I've been talking us out of it. We've been talking ourselves like, out of it for that so long. It's so visual. Why would you do a design related thing that's like you can't see the pretty pictures and also we don't know any of this tech stuff. You need to learn a new program called Audacity to edit it and you have to buy a $200 microphone to record it. You have to pay to host it. It's like learning how to blog all over again. But the freeing thing about that is it feels like it felt when we were early blogging to us. The podcast is so fun and different and we're, we're literally in that same stage of throwing things at the wall to see if they stick. We do new segments all the time, we try new music, and we mess up. Like there, We've only done 10, 10 tomorrow comes out. And when we listen back, there are already things about one and two and three that we're oh, like One is so embarrassing, <laughs> from, from early June. I know, <laughs> it's like a colossal thing to do in front of everyone and there's so much fear in it, but I can tell you from doing it, we are, it's the, that it's more energizing than it is scary. Right, you're scared, but then you know that feeling when you're jittery and scared and it turns into adrenaline and you're so excited and you're like smiling like a maniac? That's the podcast and that's the coloring book because they're so freaking weird and unexpected and not what people think our brand should do or thought we'd do, but that's it doesn't matter, right? It's not about what people think you should do. It's about what makes you feel excited and creative, and I, I really think it, whenever you follow that stuff, you'll be in a much better place than going where you think your audience wants you to go. That's a good segue, Sherry. Uh -oh. We didn't even practice that. Um, the next part, next lesson we learned was be selfish. I'm gonna try to get through this section without sounding like an a-hole. Um, <laughs> because the idea of being selfish or telling myself to be selfish is uncomfortable for me and I think for probably a lot of you because I think a lot of you guys do this because you like the giving aspect of blogging, you like interacting with people, you like um, teaching new things, you like you know, taking your time to add value to someone else's life. And I mean, yes, we love that. I'm not saying I don't love that. But it was a hard lesson for us to learn that in this we need to be a little bit uh, selfish as well. Because especially for us, I think we are, we're classic people pleasers. It's really easy to get wrapped up in everyone else. In the comments and the likes and the follows and to put everyone else's needs above your own. But we have had to tell ourselves, and this may sound obvious to some of you, but like, you are the biggest part of your blog. You know, the reason anybody reads your blog is because you're in it. And if you lose yourself so distracted by goals or doing the same thing over and over again that you're tired of it, it's like the worst case scenario for everyone. Your readers won't like it as much. You won't like it as much. You have to remember yourself. And I think John was saying, like, it's really nice to give back and to, 
to feel this community. It is. But the minute your priorities are so out of whack that you need to tell someone the paint color at Sunday night when you could be with your kids or someone asked you a question, it's you're having dinner, but you feel like you need to answer that to stay ahead. You have to be like, wait a minute. That's not more important than my life. I have to separate this. I can go back and answer it later. Many times we've learned that someone else will answer it if you just let it sit there instead of being so quick to answer it. Sometimes they'll scroll up and notice you already answered it. It's, it's like let people no, help themselves. No, they don't ever do that. Sometimes. <laughs> no, you'll get like a second Instagram. What's the paint color? Oops, I just saw you answer that above. Sorry. <laughs> We're having to remind ourselves in this is that above all else that we need to protect our time, we have to protect our health, and we have to protect our happiness because we can't be putting other people's needs to know paint color on a Saturday night above these things. So we've learned that the internet is always on, but that doesn't mean you should be. As Sherry was just saying, the comments are, uh, was a particularly difficult place for us to learn this lesson because for so long, especially this one over here, was so committed to making sure everyone got their answer and felt heard in a timely manner, but it was being detrimental to her time with her family. And, and it, it seems really, really obvious in retrospect, like, well, duh, why were you doing that? But at the time, it felt like, no, this is what I need to do to make sure my blog doesn't slip behind. It's like a slow creep, right? Like, at first, you can keep up with comments. It's nice. It's awesome. I know lots of bloggers who get 15 comments, and they'll respond to every single one. And it's excellent. They're engaging with their audience. It shows 30 comments at the top of the post instead of 15. It is like a total win-win. But I think it's a slow creep. And you get, you know, we had posts with thousands of comments on them. We had lots of social media channels with lots of questions coming in. In the moment, it felt like I wouldn't be being authentic and the person everyone knew and loved if I like just like was like shove off I can't answer comments it just sounded so harsh but I think there probably would have been a way to say like I love you guys I can't keep up with it anymore if you see someone with a question that you know can you help them answer it and once a week I'm going to really try hard to do comments but I just can't do it like every waking moment yeah. anymore Sherry made me take my chart out of this slide because I, I love a chart, chart. In our, in our blog if you go to our WordPress dashboard we have over 1.5 million comments on our site 300,000 of them are her. Wow. That, <laughs> don't clap. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't clap. Don't clap. Do not encourage her, Cassidy. I mean, it averages out to 60 responses a day. So Every day for seven years. And so keep in mind, even like... even including the early days. Yeah. Probably, it was probably one a day in the early years. It's probably 120 in the later years. It just so. was a point at which you should say, I'm one person, I'm not Superman, I'm not trying to be a hero, I just need to do what's the best for myself and my business, and guess what, those don't have to be separate. It can be the best for your business to sustain your business and keep it alive, even if in the moment it feels like a detriment to your business that you're not answering every single person. I know lots of people, Chip and Joanna have four million or seven million or however many million followers on Instagram. They don't answer all the questions, and guess what, people still like them. <laughs> They love them. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> okay, um, be more than your blog. Again, this is something that may sound pretty obvious and doesn't need to be, be said, but it's one of those things where like, I wish someone had said it to me two years ago. Because uh, for us, I think there was, as Sherry just said a moment ago, this slow creep of we started blogging just about our home and our DIY, but then it was like, oh, well, let's share about like our wedding and uh, our vacations. And I think the challenge that we we have now, all of us, is that right now it's easier than ever to live an online life. Because not only do we have Instagram and Facebook updates, but now we have Facebook Live. Oh my god, last night when I was dancing with, at Ryobi, I was like, someone's going to boomerang me doing this, and it's just going to be on the internet. Someone did, and her name was Katie Bauer. Katie did it, but she didn't share it because we love each other. <laughs> 
But it is really, it's an era of like things can live stream and the line is razor thin between your real life and your online life. And I think a lot of that is good. A lot of that is great because it allows us to have this really, really authentic and, and fast connection with our readers. But I think it also, we need to approach it with some caution um, because I think just like we all talk about work-life balance, there needs to be a balance in everyone's life between... Venn diagram. I did get a chart. Um, <laughs> I think we, we started off here where it was, you know, our, our online was our home renovations and our offline was, oh, this is the vacation we went on. And as we saw that, oh, hey, people are interested in all these other things, those things started to merge. You know, what we uh, were doing in our off time was all suddenly becoming on time and there wasn't off time anymore. We started to feel obligated to live a bloggable life. You know, we knew that primarily our audience was interested in our home decor and DIY content. So it meant that we were starting to prioritize those type of activities over the other things we enjoyed doing. So like when we went on vacation, we were like, okay, we got to carve out some time to like go to a thrift store or something that weekend. And like all we wanted to do, we were hungry and all we wanted to do is feed the kids and hang out. But we were like, we can't waste this vacation not having content, which is the dumbest thing in the world. Isn't a vacation to escape your job and to recharge and have time with your family? And so I think the key is to let your life happen and if there's some content great but don't make your life into content because the other thing that we experienced from that is as we started to shove these other interests aside in the name of these things that our audience wanted to hear we say it sort of it sort of flattened us we became less dimensional because we weren't the people who enjoyed doing x y and z and you know all, all 26 letters of the alphabet were the people who did a b and c and that was it so the lesson we learned is you have to not let the internet flatten you and keep your dimension and for us, the key to that is to keep some of it for yourself. Because the internet will never see you as dimensionally as you are in real life. Yeah, no matter how good you are at writing, no matter how good you are at documenting yourself, like you're never going to be your real life person to the people. And everyone who meets you will say, you're so much funnier than I thought, or you're so much smaller than I thought, or <laughs> John yesterday got, you're so much yeah, more I'm... built than I thought, and then got, you're thinner than I thought in the same day. <laughs> I'm having a lot of body issues right now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just think you're always something different than people see. Even if you try your hardest to document every second of your life, it's, there's a disconnect. And so it's not about trying to make it flatten you less by sharing more and more and more because that's an unattainable goal and it will never happen. It's about saying, it's fine if I have these other hobbies and these other interests and these other friends. I'm not going to put them to the side and only focus on the blog because it's dumb and it's not a good life. So when we stopped blogging and we got back into seeing our friends and doing things that had nothing to do with DIY and listening to music we loved and making trips without documenting them, like full trips where we just took phone pictures for ourselves and our kids but not like get out the good camera and get the tripod and oh, if we're staying in a place that's nice before we mess up the beds, let's take a picture. Like these were things, we wouldn't unpack the car because then the luggage would be in the pictures. There were weird, crazy blogger things going on that were not what should have been the priority when you're in the car with tired kids and you need to just get in the house. And so I think being more than your blog is definitely something we should have done better. And now we're really fighting to protect. We feel like we're in a really good place of balance doing things like this and meeting with you guys at speaking events. And we're doing some stuff in advertising, which has nothing to do with blogging. And we're doing the coloring book. And the balance of having some jobs that have nothing to do with our bloggable life and having friends that have nothing to do with blogging about them and vacations, it's... It used to feel like when I was being a good mom and a good wife, I was being a bad blogger. And when I was being a good blogger, I was a terrible wife and a terrible mom. And now it feels like... You were terrible. Eh. <laughs> I was answering comments all the time like an idiot. Yes, there's people who want you to be live, but there's also people who want the full reveal. And there's people who don't think you should 
put filler in and spread things out. And there's other people who are like, I don't want to wait seven days for the next piece of content. So it's really hard to chase what everybody wants because everybody wants different things anyway. So last thing, which again, we kind of learned the hard way, don't be afraid to pause. When we made that decision in, in September 2014 to take that break and then that extended um, hiatus, whatever you want to call it, we were on a break. We were on a break. Um, Friends, nobody? <laughs> Ross and Rachel? Yes. It's a slow burn, guys. <laughs> it's a thinker. We, when we made that decision, we were ready for it to all go away. We, we did that assuming that it would disappear. But we, we've learned that pausing is okay. Um, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of your blog because it doesn't all go away. It doesn't have to be forever. And it can also be the best way to start again. That's what we've discovered is that it, it doesn't have to go away. And it also, has, for us, has been the best springboard to restart. Because for us, this break, obviously our break was probably a lot longer and more intense than many of you need to be. I mean, we went nearly 12 months without a single blog post on our website. We had a few social media updates, but the blog... Humor analytics. I'll reenact it. <laughs> it's more like jumping off the side of this. It's a legit reenactment. Um, but we found that having that, this break um, helped restore our creativity, restored our excitement for doing this. And like we talked about uh, before, it restored our, our purpose. We knew more clearly what we wanted to get out of this. And most importantly, <laughs> more than hits or approval is feeling like you're doing a good job and liking waking up every morning and being excited about what you're doing. I think that might be why our blog was so successful in the beginning and for a long time was because we freaking loved it. And we just wanted to get to a place where we loved it again. And we're in this place, yes, we're not blogging every day, but we're in our minds connecting with you guys so much more than even six months ago. We're much more active on social. We're doing two or three posts a month. We're doing the podcast every week. So we're doing like everything differently. And it's, it's restoring all the things. And I wanted to take a moment to put a finer point on this idea of it doesn't all go away. Because as I said, that was something that we assumed would happen. And it's been, it's been a very pleasant surprise that it, it, it didn't. And I don't think that's unique to us. Because people will still be there. Not everyone. Right. Not everyone will still be there. But I, I like to think the right people are still there. The people that you've made the strongest connections with. The people that you probably want by your side as you continue in this blogging journey. They will stick with you. I mean, I've seen other blogs that have taken long breaks. Another blog that I know has taken a, a almost a year break. And they came back and had tons of comments welcoming them back to their blogging adventure. So people will still be there. And you know what? If they're not, if I'm wrong, they're not there. The skills will still be there. This was also a really important lesson for us to learn. You know, your skills as a writer or as a photographer, or as a designer, or as a videographer, or as a social media manager, whatever, whatever it is, those things stick with you if you're not working on your site anymore. And you can take them to your, your next venture. Your blog has added value to you as a person and skills you to a person. Um, I, I like to now remind myself that I'm, I'm more than my following. It's easy to get so wrapped up in the metrics and say, like, these... These brands or these readers only, only want me because I have X number of followers. But it's not just that. It's because of the scale and the value that you bring. So if those people do go away, <laughs> you it's still have that. A good bad. example is that when we left blogging, about four months later, Home Depot said, we want your designs in our store. And we were like, why? <laughs> Did you hear the news? <laughs> we literally said, we feel like we need to tell you. Like they didn't know. They're like, we know who you are. We know what happened. The New York Times wrote about it. We know. But they were like, you're more than just that. And we like your designs. And, and instead of influencer, they were talking about designer. And it was 
more validating than ever that we have designs that don't have our name on them now. We have many things of Liberty that say Young House Love. We have designs in big box stores that you probably look at and say, that reminds you of a blogger that we did and they don't say our name. And in an industry we knew nothing about, it is so validating to know that we learned these skills from blogging and we can continue with those. And we're still designing and we're writing books and all the things we learned how to do from blogging. It's nice to feel like everything doesn't rest on one thing. It felt like the blog was like the base of the tree. When we stopped blogging, it all was just cutting the whole thing down. But it's cool to see, like, no, you can still occasionally blog, and you can be on social, and you can still design things with your name and without. It's like diversification, I think, is healthy. I was talking to someone who was saying they lost a lot of their traffic when Pinterest changed their algorithms, and I was thinking, it's really smart for us to diversify. If we find one thing that works, like I've got a way to get Pinterest to get me 100,000 views a month, and then Pinterest changes things, and you get five views the next month, it's terrible. Like, try not to ever put all of your eggs in the same basket if you can help it. And one way to guarantee that you're not doing that is learning these skills that you can take on to the next thing. So we're here to tell you that if you need it, take a break. Even if you don't think you need it, it doesn't have to be a year. This is not everyone go up and we'll see yeah. you in 2018. I'm like, how we quit blogging <laughs> so you don't have to, and then we suggest taking your long break. No. But you know, if it if it's a, a long weekend, if it's a week, if it's a month, whatever it is you feel like to really pull back from the daily grind and think sort of big picture about your blog and why you're doing this, you know, ask yourself these questions. Are you following your purpose? Do you know what your purpose is first? Are you following it? Are you still experimenting? Are you putting yourself first? Are you being more than your blog? If the answer to these things are no, then it might be time to reevaluate your approach. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. We'll be back to our normal format next week, so we hope you enjoyed this special episode. Yeah, and if you did, let us know on Twitter, Instagram, or by rating, reviewing, or subscribing in iTunes. Or heck, even tell a friend about it. And if you have an idea for a future special episode, or you want to leave us a designer DIY question by phone, call us at 571-4-YHL-HAP. That's 571-494-5427. And check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from any of our episodes. This week, we've got a few of the slides from our talk, like my swanky Venn diagram. Kind of a showstopper. Bye. Later. Later.